Um, if we haven't met before, um, a huge welcome to you. Let me add my welcome to Dave's welcome. My name's Emma. I'm part of the team here at KXC. Um, and it's great to see you on the last day of 2023. Very exciting. Um, and I don't know how you feel about this time between Christmas and New Year. Like if you're someone who just like loves to reflect upon the year, um, I think actually probably there's often two camps when it comes to this. Those who love any excuse to get a journal out, you know, the hidden sentimentalist gets unleashed in you and you start drawing timelines like journeys of the highs and lows of the last 12 months. A lot of gazing wistfully out of the window and just pondering life. There's someone who, someone who knows that, what that's like. There's an other camp as well where it's like, that sounds like your absolute worst nightmare. Like you cannot think of anything worse to do with a few days between Christmas and New Year. Your toes curl at the very thought of all of that. Um, and I'm probably slightly more a pragmatist. I fall slightly more in the latter camp. But there is something about this time of the year that invites all of us to take stock of what's been. To kind of recognize where we're at, whether we're starting this new year kind of hopeful or whether we're starting it questioning, whether we're tired, expectant, tentative, and to choose to fix our eyes again on the author and perfecter of our faith to like make the conscious decision to lift our eyes to him, to like immerse ourselves in the story that we've been thinking about over this Christmas period, like the story of a God who drew close to us, a good shepherd to the lost, like who gives hope to the downcast, like a guide to the wandering or someone who gives strength to the faltering, like he is the God who is with us. And as um, Dave mentioned in the notices, like bread launches today and today's reading is from Psalm 46. And this is what this psalm is all about, the God who is with us. It's a psalm that kind of reorientates us around who God is and who we therefore are in light of that. So we're just going to camp out here today in this psalm and draw out just a couple of things I just sense God saying to us um, as a community as we start this year. So if you have a Bible, grab it. Um, no worries if not, it's going to appear on the screen as well. And I'm just going to read Psalm 46 over us. It says this, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her, she will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice, the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he's brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow, shatters the spear, burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Amen. Like in other words, the psalmist is saying here, like, do not forget who your God is. Like when the earth is giving way and the waters are rising, fix your eyes, steady your gaze upon his face, orientate your whole life around his story. Like the psalmist starts with this revelation of who God is, like revealing his power, his might, his nature in the face of chaos and destruction. 
And then the psalmist kind of moves on to reveal what that therefore means for us. Like because of who God is, like in verse two, it says like, we do not have to live in fear. Like come what may, fear does not have to be our master. And then in light of this revelation of who God is, the psalmist reveals an invitation. Like even amidst the chaos and the disorientation of life, be still and know that God is God. Not simply when life is going well, when things are looking certain and calm, but amidst the moments of uncertainty, when the kind of life we thought would roll out in front of us suddenly gets stripped away. Like in those moments, the psalmist encourages us to lean into him, allow his presence to be the lens through which we see everything else. And as we do so, by his grace, we discover a God who is with us. In him, we find the still point in a turning world. And my prayer for us as we unpack this chapter today is that as we start this new year, we might orientate our lives again around those truths. Let's be people who no matter what lies ahead of us in these next few months, know that God is our refuge and our strength. Like my prayer is we'd be a community of people who don't live under fear, but learn what it means to live in hope as we live in the light of a God who is with us. So today I just want to look at kind of two key encouragements that arise from this chapter. Firstly, like we're just going to explore what it means to live out the story of God. And secondly, like what does it mean to live in his presence? Um, But before we dive in, can I just pray for us as we start? So Lord, we just thank you for your presence here. We just acknowledge afresh like you reign, God. We exalt you in this place. You are Lord. Jesus, I just pray that you'd come and speak to us, meet us where each of us are at. Open our hearts to hear your word. And I just pray you take these words I'm about to say, and Lord, would you use them for your glory? Amen. Okay, so firstly, living out the story of God. Like Psalm 46 is all about reminding the Israelites of who God is. And because of that, like the story that they therefore belong to. Like the psalmist throughout this chapter is revealing to us again and again God's nature and his character. Like he's reminding the people like, hey, like the story you belong to is one that has right at the center of it a God who is like this. Like he's our refuge, he's our shelter, an ever-present help in trouble. Like he breaks the bow, he shatters the spear. In other words, like he sits above every authority, every political power, every kind of ruler and king, God and God alone has the final a word in history like this is the truth of who our God is and in Psalm 8 he says come and see what God has done like in other words come and remind yourself again of the miracles that you've seen the story of God that you belong to and so many of the Psalms do this like they spend time reminding God's people again and again of who God is and the story that they're a part of Because the psalmist knows that it's so easy to let who God is fade from our consciousness. Like again and again, scripture tells us to remember God's story because there's something in the human condition that causes us to wander from it. Like whether it's distraction or disappointment or just like the busyness of life, other things crowd our minds and we don't just forget the story, but we forget the God at the center of it. So when the waters rise and kind of the mountains fall into the sea, instead of running to God in times of trouble, we start to rely on ourselves. We still might cerebrally know the story of God, but we've stopped actually living out of it. 
like rather than leaning our whole weight upon him, rather than allowing him to shape our lives, we take the reins. Like we want control. And the tragedy is we replace the hope that God's story brings with the weight and loneliness of trying to be our own saviors. Like scripture is full of stories that kind of reveal what happens when we wander from this story and try instead to be our own saviors. And so throughout the Bible, instead, we're urged to remember all that God's done for us. And we see kind of just an example of this in Deuteronomy 4. Um, like the moment is like Moses is addressing the Israelites. They've been rescued miraculously um, by God from the um, Egyptians. They've crossed the Red Sea. They've seen miracle after miracle. And it's this transition moment where they're just about to step into the promised land. And Moses gathers the Israelites together. And like this is the key message that he gives to them. He says this, what other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way the Lord our God is near to us whenever we pray to him? And then he says this, be careful, watch over your soul diligently so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. Like in other words, in this transition moment, do not forget the story you belong to. And he goes on, Moses, in that chapter to recount the extraordinary things that they've witnessed, the miraculous things, like they've literally seen this kind of mountain blazing with the fire of the presence of God. And he's warning them that unless they watch over their souls diligently, they will forget all of that. In other words, Moses is saying, like, guys, it's entirely possible for you who have seen God move in remarkable ways. It's possible for you to have experienced all of that. But unless you keep to choose to keep those things close to your heart, you'll forget who God is. And if you forget who God is, you'll forget who you are and who you're called to be. Like he's pleading with them in this moment, do not forget the story you belong to. Do not become so focused on other things that those truths fade from your heart. And I just wonder, like, if Moses kind of was here today, if, like, he might say a similar thing to us at the start of this new year. Like, KXC, you saw God move in 2023 in extraordinary ways. Like, you experienced his power you saw physical healings here on Sunday mornings. You heard the testimonies of lives woven back together. You saw people come to faith, come alive in their faith. You've tasted and you've seen the very power of God in your midst. And yet it's entirely possible for you to have witnessed all of that and over time grow sleepy, like grow apathetic, forget those revelations of who God is and forgotten the gospel story that you belong to. And when we wander from that story, when we become sleepy to the extraordinary good news that we carry, when disappointments or distractions shout louder than the truth of the gospel, like we find ourselves with a faith that just becomes about going through the motions. Like rather than hoping in him, putting our whole weight upon that story, our faith simply becomes a worldview, like a set of principles to live out rather than a relationship with Jesus and sure, like a worldview can help you make sense of the world, but it won't provide refuge in times of trouble. Like a worldview is fine when everything is working, but it cannot bring comfort in moments of pain. Like a worldview can tell you what's happening in the present, but it cannot give you a solid hope for the future. Like when the mountains fall into the sea and uncertainty stretches out in front of you, like a worldview can't help you then 
but Jesus can. Like the one who spoke light into the darkness and has conquered death itself. He's offering us not a worldview, not just a simple set of principles. His invitation is to in, into relationship with him, is to live out this story of hope. And as I was just kind of praying for us um, today, I just felt an urgency around this. I feel like this story of hope is something God wants to wake us up to again. Because when we forget the extraordinary story we're part of, like the world remains in darkness. But there's like a hunger in our nation right now. There's a searching for a story of hope. And I just sense today that God wants to wake us up. Like, yes, for our sake, but also for the sake of this city. Um, I don't know if you listen to the podcast, The Rest is Politics, um, but they had a, a Christmas Day special with Tom Holland, um, not the Spider-Man actor, uh, but the historian. Um, and I promise you it's more interesting than it sounds. I sound very boring right now, but that is what I was doing on my Christmas Day. That is who I am. Um, but for those of you who haven't heard of this podcast, it's a really secular podcast about politics um, and kind of current events in the world. And the Christmas Day special was all about how a worldview might not actually be enough in this moment. We might actually need the Christian story, this story of hope. And it was so bizarre to listen to. Like one of the most popular podcasts in the country, listened to by millions every week, was acknowledging that so much of what we take for granted in the UK, in this kind of secular society, is actually the fruit of a Christian story. And they were talking about how this Christian story underpins so many of the basic beliefs that we hold as a given today. That the Christian beliefs that kind of humans are made in the image and likeness of God means that humans have inherent dignity. Um, Jesus' teachings have led us to accept that the last should be first, that we should care for the vulnerable, that it's not kind of simply survival of the fittest, but we should look after those less fortunate because human beings have intrinsic value. There was this kind of acknowledgement that those values find their root in the Christian story and the teachings of Jesus. But they were pointing out that as Christianity declines in the country, as the gospel story that underpins those values disappear, that unless we can come up with a better story, we're most likely to see those values disappear as well. And the question they were wrestling with on this show was kind of this acknowledgement that actually like, we might need the Christian story because it's the story that lies at the root of the type of society we want to live in. And I was just listening to this podcast in like total awe of like the moment we find ourselves in spiritually in this nation. Like a very secular podcast, one of the presenters famously stating like we do not do God, recognizing that there's something about the Christian story that our society needs. And I just sense a moment of urgency, like we can't be apathetic in this moment. Don't let it pass us by. Society is waking up again to the fact that it needs a story of hope. And we know the story that people are searching for. And it's not a story that comes from within us. It's a story of a God who so loved the world that 2,000 years ago, he came in the person of Jesus he died an excruciating death on a cross for you. And he rose again, conquering death itself so that you might have relationship with him and an unshakable hope for the future. We have a truth that is solid and certain, like no matter the internal or the external chaos that's flying around you or our world right now, like life isn't meaningless. It's not a survival of the fittest. Everyone has value. Everyone has a purpose and it doesn't depend on ourselves to concoct it. 
Like we don't have to rely on kind of your truth, my truth. We get to know the truth and he will exist whether we choose to believe in him or not. And this is the Christian story. This is the hope of the gospel. We have a God who is our refuge and our strength, an ever-present help in times of trouble. Therefore, we do not need to fear, though the earth give way, though we're uncertain what the future brings, though we don't know how we're going to make the finances add up or how we're going to find work or how that relationship will ever be mended, though mountains fall into the sea, though it feels like everything that was once stable about our future has been taken away, the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress." We have a God who is with us through it all. Whatever this year holds for you, whatever you're walking into right now, you have a God who is with you. And just my sense this today is just that there's an invitation to wake up to that again, to wake up to the truth of who you are. Like if there's any areas where you've kind of grown weary in your faith, anywhere where you've kind of fallen asleep, like say today, like wake up my soul. Like, wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead. Christ will shine on you. So firstly, this psalm highlights the story we belong to. And secondly, it highlights that we are called to live in his presence. And the psalmist does this by giving one of the most kind of famous verses of the Bible. He says, be still and know that God is God. And the psalmist here, he isn't referring to knowing God in a kind of head knowledge kind of way. He isn't talking about a cerebral ascent to the idea that God is God or acquiring more theological knowledge. Like to know God is much more intimate than that. At the time of writing um, the kind of this chapter, to know someone didn't simply mean to know of their existence. Like in the Hebrew world, you can only know someone if you have an intimate and personal relationship with them. In other words, the psalmist is saying, in the midst of the chaos and destruction, in those moments of disorientation and weariness, of fear in your own lives, be still and know that God is God. Lean into him. Learn to daily live in his presence. And as you do, as you spend time in God's presence, those incredible truths of this chapter will get drawn into your heart. You know, these words in Psalm 46 that speak about the God who is with us, like they're not just meant to be nice sentiment or theory. Like his presence really can be a refuge in times of trouble. He really can provide hope when there's only earthly reasons for despair. Like Psalm 46 is quoted so often that we can kind of gloss over it so easily. But these words, they're more than just sentiment. They're more than just nice quotable fridge magnet quotes. It's a promise that hope can be experienced in the midst of the most complex, chaos-ridden and difficult times in our lives. So how do we live like this? What does that actually look like? Well, the way we lean into this is perhaps the most countercultural thing of all. We're commanded to be still. But this command here in the Hebrew, it literally means to cease striving. In other words, when life feels out of control and like kind of rather than grabbing the reins, rather than going inwards, relying on ourselves, we're to look up, to come into his presence, to cease striving and remind ourselves of who God is. And the English translation here really doesn't do it justice because it sounds like to be still is some kind of stoic thing, like kind of shove everything else down and just be still, like it's all going to be okay. But that isn't kind of what the Hebrew is actually saying at all. The psalmist is saying, stop your striving. Stop trying to be God 
and instead come into God's presence and know him. Like it's not a denial of the chaos or the pain. You know, instead the psalmist is showing us what it means to not live under fear, but under hope. As we live in God's presence, we don't deny our reality. Like hope cannot be real until we're real about our suffering. And this is what makes this story so incredibly powerful. So what does that practically look like? Well, to cease our striving and to live in God's presence means bringing our daily, raw, kind of real, unfiltered prayers before Jesus. Like the kind of prayers where you do not hold back. The ones with anger, with lament, with grief, with questions, with doubts. Like to live in God's presence means bringing our whole selves into conversation with God. Because it's in those moments when we're honest with him that we allow Jesus in to comfort us to strengthen us, to build in us hope. It's in those moments as we cease striving, as we live in his presence, that the settled state of our souls becomes one of hope. Like, do you know God like that? Not do you know about him, but not do you know kind of the theory of him, but do you know him? And I just wonder if for some of us here today, like we may be used to know him like that, but with hearts that are prone to wander for different reasons, we've found ourselves growing distant from him. We've settled for beliefs about God rather than the knowledge of his presence with us. We'll come on the Sunday, we'll sing the right songs, we'll stand at the right moments, we'll sit at the right moments. We add our amen to those prayers, but we're not really living in light of his presence. Maybe we once did, but for a whole host of reasons, we don't anymore. So instead of living in his presence, we turn this invitation of knowing God with us into a theory to consider. Um, some of you might have um, heard of Brennan Manning. Um, he was a pastor, kind of a writer, and he wrote um, actually an amazing book called Abba's Child, um, looking at kind of uh, the imposter within us and how it leads us away from living in the freedom of God. And um, it's an amazing book, actually, if you're, you're in the, the market for a New Year's book, I'd pick that one up. Um, but he also wrote another book, big side point, um, called Ruthless Trust. Um, and in this book, he tells of a story that he happened to him when he was on a retreat. Um, and Brennan, he was meeting with his spiritual director, and he was explaining to his director that he basically felt this real disconnect between what he knew about God and his experience of God. And so he's asking the director, hey, like, can you give me some insights on this? Can you like, kind of diagnose what's happening here? Are there, are there some books I could read or some, you know, really kind of nuggets that you can give me? And the director just kind of turns to him. He looks him in the eye. And he just says, like, Brennan, you don't need any new insights into the faith. You've got enough insights to last you for 300 years. Like, the most urgent need in your life is to trust what you've received. Like, you know, the truth is, we don't need new insights into the faith. We don't need new theories about God. The invitation is to choose to trust him again, to trust the story you've received to allow his presence to fill you. You know, this longing for the presence is one that Christians have expressed um, throughout the ages, and, and often you see it in songs that we sing. Like one of the most ancient and popular songs that's been sung throughout the centuries is um, Veni Creatus Spiritus. I don't know how my Latin is, but um, you know, it hasn't quite made the KXC playlist yet. Um, but it's this hymn from the ninth century, and one of the verses says this, Come, Creator Spirit, Visit the minds of those who are yours. Fill with heavenly grace the hearts you've made. 
And this song continues on to ask kind of the spirit to inflame our devotion, to transform our characters, to fill our hearts with love, deliver us from darkness. It's this desire, this like thirst to not just know theoretical belief about God, but to experience more of God's transforming presence, to daily live in light of that. And this desire to live in the light of God's presence is continued down the ages, like a more modern song, um, a classic from the 2000s. It puts it a bit more bluntly, but it's basically saying the same thing. Like, there must be more than this. Spirit of God, come breathe within. Like, fill us anew, we pray. Fill us anew. Like, in other words, God, I don't just want to know about you. I don't want a set of principles that I live by, a worldview that I ascribe to. I want to know you to know you in the depths of my being, that you are God, that you will be exalted above all the nations. And therefore, come what may, I can live not out of fear, but out of hope. Just as I come into land, I was traveling back yesterday um, to London and I was on the overground um, and it was truly horrendous. Like it was really busy, every suitcase possible kind of being banded around uncomfortably close to people. Like people who were just stopping in the middle of the walkways why do people do that? Honestly, it, it like, it actually makes me mad. I had to repent. I was like, oh my word, stopping dead. If that's one of you, please don't stop. It's been in the middle of the walkway. Just use this moment to say that. Um, anyway, it, it was a lot. It was a lot. It was a busy moment. And I um, kind of was on the overground. I managed to find a seat. And the noise was like, it was loud. There was, you know, kids screaming. There was like trains screeching. And all of a sudden, Out of nowhere, this sound started to emerge. And I couldn't see where it was coming from. I was kind of looking around. But all I could hear was just this beautiful melody. And through the crowded carriage, I just basically saw over there, like, a guy who'd got out a violin, and he was starting to play this song. And he was a good violinist. Like, he was amazing. It sounded stunning. And people paid no attention whatsoever. It was just this brilliant London moment where the person next to you suddenly got out a violin and is playing and no one's batted an eyelid at all. Like people were just speaking louder, getting on with what they were already doing, except for every single child on that carriage. And there was quite a few kids um, on the carriage. They'd been screaming a moment before. Um, But every single one of them stopped And they turned to face where the music was coming from. And for those few minutes, as this guy played this song, you could see over the kid's face this wonder, this like peace that descended upon them. And they stopped what they were doing, even the younger ones. And they just sat and they were calmed by this music. All the adults missed this opportunity for wonder, like too preoccupied, too busy with where they were going. But in the same moment of kind of adult chaos, the kids experienced peace as they leaned into this song. And I just felt like that's what we're invited into. Like maybe you're feeling weary. Maybe you're feeling dry. Maybe it feels like chaos all around you, a screeching train right now. But don't let your ears grow deaf to the song of God, to this melody of hope that can cut through the brokenness of this world and meet you where you're at. Like rather than turning to distraction or relying on yourself to get through this moment, be still, cease your striving and know that he is God. Lean into that melody of hope. Come back to the simple gospel, the only story that can provide hope amidst the chaos of this world. 
And for any parts of your life where you've grown deaf to his good news, any parts where you're, you know, who God is feels more like a theory to consider rather than truth to be experienced, ask the Spirit to fill you again for the song of heaven to break through, like to help you live in the light of the story that you belong to.